Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the podcast. Hello, how are you today? My name is Mitch Corbett. I'm your host, as my cat just flies away and does their own thing, as they do. Uh, welcome to another edition of the episode of the podcast called Hello, How Are You Today? Uh, this week, we have a great guest. His name is Kyle Wyatt. Kyle is the owner and uh, creator of Kyle's Fried Chicken here in London, Ontario, Canada. Uh, and uh, speaking of Kyle's Fried Chicken, we had some delicious uh, brisket fries and a brisket sandwich, courtesy of him, uh, literally last night. Uh, so enjoy this episode with Kyle Wyatt, aka Kyle's Fried Chicken. All right, uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, we are here with the lovely guest uh, Kyle Wyatt, uh, the uh, provocateur, the owner of uh, Kyle's Fried Chicken. How are you doing, my friend? Oh, I can't complain, man. It's been a pretty good day. <laughs> well, the day has just started. Um, so what is... So we've met through doing the uh, Fork River shows um, and you're kind of established at uh, Fork River Brewery in terms of like a, a, uh, like a, a spot spot uh, that people can go to and everything. But how, um, I have an idea of how you got into creating your own brand uh, and your own business, uh, but I want to kind of get your backstory and see if I'm right. <laughs> okay, well, I'll, I'll do the Coles notes because it's kind of like a big, bigger production than I actually want to say, but uh Basically, I was the chef at Stormstead, and I started another company, Salt and Swine, and uh, I was doing charcuterie and producing salamis and all that kind of stuff. And then randomly while doing all these little pop-ups that I was kind of entertaining my chef side with at all these breweries, we were just messing around. And I said, hey, like, why don't we do our own take on KFC? And I was already doing fried chicken pop-ups, and I was like, why don't we call it Kyle's Fried Chicken? We'd already kind of like been joking around with the name and everything, and then my buddy who is a graphic designer came up with like basically a kind of take on the logo and it just kind of all pieced together and we've been doing it for almost two years now so was that decision to get out of the the uh the the um the, the, the um, storm state stuff everything was that like you were just kind of was that a decision made because like you you kind of were just tired of being someone else's employee and like you wanted to do your own thing yeah, I mean, for sure, that definitely had some bearing in it and kind of the way the industry's changing right now. It's uh, I'm just I'm not getting any younger. Let's let's face it. I'm uh, I'll be 35 in January. And uh, when we started all of this, which was, you know, Salt and Swine was about three years ago now. It was just time for a little bit of a change. And it just felt good to actually be doing something where I had complete creative control over it. And so, like. Talk about that though, because like I mean, as a chef in a restaurant, you would imagine that you have some sort of creativity when you're making dishes and everything. But like if you're doing like a brand name restaurants, it's like do it this way, do it this way. There's no room for creativity. So I mean, like we're like when you're in that, when you're kind of like in that environment, or maybe even stuck in that environment, like how is that why you were doing the pop-ups and everything? Is that where you got your creative juices uh, flowing? Yeah, it's just a just an outlet. Like I'm, I've been in like Southern food. That's like my my game plan, my mode, and you know, not a lot of people were doing it back then. Even trying to do it in the restaurant, it was like some stuff worked, some stuff didn't, and then you're still at the whim of your owners. So they want specific things. They want things that sell really well, uh, and people don't want to have the patience or time to kind of like, oh, how do how are these menu items selling? How are we actually gonna you know like work this into the menu? So yeah, it was definitely a huge creative outlet to be able to do whatever the heck I wanted and just kind of push boundaries. And so like, 
you when did like so did you go to school for chefing or chefing <laughs> did you go to school <laughs> to be a chef <laughs> well because like i know some people like i know a guy like um like one of my favorite guys that i watch from a food standpoint is action bronson yeah who you know isn't i don't think he's a, a classically trained chef um but he i think he learned to do it in prison i think that's the backstory and like he just does all these amazing little things so like where did your love of food come from and like how were you what was your decision to chase that dream as opposed to something else well i mean with the school thing i did go to school but it's kind of i grew up in sea Marie. i grew up in a small town where like everything is italian like you you cannot escape there. yeah like literally you go down the street i think per capita there's more italian restaurants in sea Marie than there was in a lot of places in italy which is crazy when you think about it because like that's like i think there's an italian restaurant for every 10 people so literally, you could probably go for a full year just eating Italian food at all different restaurants and not go to the same restaurant. What is the what is the average weight of that town? Do you think it really varies? But I, you know, it's surprising. I don't know, man. Everybody... If I if I eat pasta all week long, <laughs> I mean that's probably not great for my hips. <laughs> yeah, and like so, I you know grew up loving Italian food, but never wanting to cook it because I was like, okay, well we have so much of it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to move to Toronto and go to culinary school. And I went to George Brown. And uh, after a year, I just found myself kind of in the restaurant scene. And I was butchering, you know, every morning, seven to two, and then going to a restaurant from two or three o'clock in the afternoon till two in the morning. And it was just kind of like wash, rinse, repeat every day. And my, most of my 20s was either that or, you know, on Sunday, going out and drinking with the guys. <laughs> fair because like i've worked in restaurants along like when in my earlier days i worked in restaurants and like the hours that like restaurant employees keep in such like chef who are online everything it's it's insane like it's it's not a uh career path that is destined for you know personal uh relationships to succeed (laughs) (laughs) like there's a reason why like like the celebrity chefs are like all great because like they're making money and they have a schedule and everything. But if you're an actual chef chef or like a sous chef or anything, it's hard to have any sort of soul life or even normal life. Yeah, it's insane. Like I could honestly say you always think you're ready for it. You always think you're like, everything's going to be great. And then you're, you get to your thirties and you look like, I missed out on so much shit, man. Like it's just, it's absolutely horrifying and hilarious because you're like, wow, like I just gave up a huge chunk of my life to be paid next to nothing to be basically abused. And basically you're running on passion. You're like, well, I love food. So I'm going to do this. Well, I think that's the great lesson in this, right? Is that like, you know, you're 35 now. It wasn't until you're 33, 30, yeah, 33 you found out what your passion is and now you're doing it and you have a successful business so like I mean when you when you think about it when I say it like that it probably wasn't that hard of a decision to make to just be like just do it sort of thing yeah I mean it's uh it's been a long time coming because actually so when I was in Toronto for my last few years there actually probably a little bit more than my last few years I was catering for a wine group and that was like kind of my creative outlet there because I was kind of getting away from the restaurants and I was doing barbecue, which was amazing. I love barbecue, obviously. Uh, But to be able to kind of put my own spin on things, I was working for a wine club that literally said, 
their first event that they did with me, they're like, oh, there'll be like 600, 700 people coming through here. And I'm like, okay, well, on Facebook, it says that, but there's probably going to be like two or 300 people coming through here. No, there's 950 people that came through there. And I was just kind of a little blown away, but it was great because I got to do, you know, like ceviche and the menu was my own again there. But it was like, it really taught me to where I'm going to get now is going to be a lot different of a path than like a normal chef just going through a restaurant kind of thing. And it's probably a better path, to be honest, because, I mean, um, what's weird is good, in my opinion. Yeah. Like the, the challenges that you get from that instead of like having someone yell at you, uh, you learn a lot more by making your own mistakes. And I'm sure that you've had to go through your own mistakes. Oh, yeah. And like, so now you have Kyle's Fried Chicken, uh, KFC, um, if you will. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you have... Um, you're still doing the catering business as well. So like, how do you balance that schedule? Um, I mean, KFC takes up most of my time now with the catering is kind of, uh, it's more of a secondary nature. It's kind of like, you have to keep all your eggs in almost one basket until that thing is completely ready, said and done with. So, you know, uh, we haven't publicly totally announced it, but I mean, here's a great place to do it. So we'll be at Fork River, like you said, and we're putting a full kitchen in there and, uh, once we're in there, we'll have more of an opportunity to do the catering, more of an opportunity to do the salt and swine and get back to like the production levels we did kind of in the start of COVID. And now, like, I know that um, Fork River does collaborations, not only with uh, yourselves, but they do it with um, uh, Tales from the Grill and a few other uh, f- uh, foodie places. That's still going to continue. Like, that'll be your off days, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah, for sure. I like to take vacation. I like to travel. I mean, <laughs> I've only been able to do it in the last few years, but I mean, that's that was kind of the core behind it because we're actually putting another there's our kitchen and there's actually going to be a little prep kitchen off to the side and those guys will all kind of produce in there they'll be like pizza main uh proper heat and hot sauce those guys are all kind of looking at you know getting a space like that so it was kind of perfect timing to start talking with all my friends who are doing their own businesses and kind of bring them into the fold and so how did your so like me personally, my wife and I went to Habitat for Humanity and we saw Fork River Brewery and we're like, oh, sweet. And this is where like, we just moved to London and we're like, all right, cool, let's walk in. And then like, I saw the brewery and I saw the backdrop and I was like, oh, this is like the perfect spot for like a comedy show. And now we're doing that. So how did you get involved uh, with Fork River? And was it like kind of like uh, you walk in like, oh, this would be a great spot or do you know someone? Like how did that relationship grow? Um, so it kind of like, I guess back in like 2015 ish is like, I had a Fork River beer. It was like their dark barrel aged beer. Um, and me and my friend had done like a little Christmas exchange and I'm like, Oh, where are these guys? I have no idea. I've never heard of them. I was still in Toronto at that point. And, uh, so I, I basically came here and I knew a bunch of breweries cause obviously being in the industry and my old roommate that I had just moved out of that place from she worked as like a she was a brand ambassador for Goose Island and so she had worked with a whole bunch of other breweries that were here and done events with them and stuff so she kind of pointed me in the right direction for where to go so I've been to Anderson I've been to co-op and then Fork was just another natural extension because this is the first brewery in London so I was like, okay, cool. We're first craft brewery. Sorry, I should establish that and not yeah. just go down. bats would and... be pissed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, I just kind of wandered my way into the tap room. And uh, after I had started doing more serious pop-ups, I had done like a market there. They kind of invited me when I did my salt and swine stuff. 
and I had met all the staff there. But once I started doing the beer lab, they really took notice and everybody kind of started reaching out to me at that point. And so like, it just grows from there. And like, I, I think that's the cool thing I really like about that place is that like, it is such a collaborative, like, uh, institution. Like they always want to like happy win and like have stuff going on. And that's one of the reasons why I really enjoy it. And so you're going to be permanently there now, but let's take it back a little bit more. And cause like you do Southern style fried chicken. Yeah. <laughs> and you grew up in Sault Ste. Marie, Canada. Yep. <laughs> and then you lived in Toronto. Yeah. Where in the fuck do you become a fan of Southern fried chicken? And do you make it your brand? <laughs> um, I guess that's a small, interesting, we'll, we'll do, we'll do a little spark notes on that. Uh, so way back in like just getting out of high school, I had a girlfriend who had her dad lived in Texas and, you know, that was really like where Southern food came into play. And I had like collard greens for the first time and brisket and, her dad just said one day, he's like, hey, uh, you know what you need to do while you're here? You need to go for a barbecue. And he brought us to this like ramshackle barbecue joint on the side of the road. And everybody's got a Glock strapped to their hip. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And I'm just like, but they're okay, all so cool. friendly, I bet you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody's great. But yeah, I mean, just having that barbecue experience. And then, you know, when I was in Toronto and kind of in the middle of my stay in Toronto, we started doing pop ups at uh, this place called the monarch tavern and after doing pop-ups there for almost two months we were approached by uh, a food network celebrity that i won't name on here and uh, he was opening a barbecue joint and i've always loved barbecue and so we opened this barbecue joint with him inside the monarch just doing it like as a pop-up trial kind of thing and uh it was a lot of fun i learned a lot and then next thing you know we wanted to add fried chicken to the menu because i'm just obsessed with fried chicken and so we added it to the menu and it's kind of been like perfecting that same recipe for uh, probably about seven years now. How much, uh, so like when you first tried your hand at uh, the fried chicken style that you do, like how long ago is that and how has the recipe evolved from that first or incarnation? Yeah, so I mean, the, the recipe has pretty much been the same with minor tweaks all throughout and it's just kind of like, learning how to get the crunchiest part of the batter, learning how to, you know, get that perfect grind so that your chicken stays juicy, even though you fry the heck out of it, you know, like it's, it's just kind of like a learning curve that you kind of go on throughout. And it's, I've tried, like, I've tried everything. Everybody's told, told me, oh, well, you got to do it this way. And so I'll try it that way. And I'm like, oh, I don't like that as much. Because everybody's like, oh, well, sous vide your chicken first and then bread it. And then you only have to flash fry it. And then I tried that. And I'm like, well, it just doesn't taste right. It tastes rubbery. Like, you know, and you just go through all these little increments and you just want to get to that product that you want to eat. Like, that's the most important thing I find is if you can't stand behind your product, who's going to stand behind it? Yeah, and that's very true because, I mean, it, the, food, the food they make is very tasty. That's the wings and the tenders, like, it's just, they're, like you mentioned the crunch and, like, you do the breading that you have or whatever you have it on the chicken is, has that, like, like, I love crunchy fries it's like that nice crunch yeah. like oh yeah like something to chew on <laughs> like it's it's delicious and so like now that you have your recipe like is there anything else that you'd like to experiment with like get that creative going for something else or are you just focused on making this successful right now uh i think i mean just so i'm very debated in the next stage of the business where we're moving into barbecue 
I love barbecue. I like very traditional Southern barbecue. But is that what we need? Is it all traditional or do, can we do some fun stuff? Can we do like pork belly skewers or, you know, can we just riff off of like smoked pork and kimchi is like one of the best flavors ever. KKFC, Kyle's yeah. Korean fried chicken. <laughs> so it's just, like, it's just like kind of finding out if there's like this little niche thing we could try, you know, like it's it's something so simple, but you're almost like, I feel like with barbecue, you're almost restricted to either doing fusion or doing traditional, and you can't kind of do anything in between at all. Like you have to go all the way to the far end of either spectrum or like barbecue guys won't take you seriously. Now, all right. So is that, so like in saying that, is that why you need or want to take vacation? Because you need to go and travel more and see different foods from different places. Is that something that helps in your creativity with food? Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, like, I went to Mexico March right before the pandemic started. The only problem is I'm obsessed with tacos already, so that didn't help anything. But love tacos, love yeah. tacos. I mean, if you don't like tacos, you're a psycho, right? <laughs> yeah, I'd have questions. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's like you you need to step away from what you're doing to actually be able to have perspective on it too. And it's just like you're you're always looking at it. So it's like trying to find Legos, right? Like this is a perfect analogy for it. you're. You're looking in this pile of Legos and the moment you take a break and look away and then you look right back at it, you're like, oh, it's right in front of me. It's been there for 20 minutes. I've been staring directly at it, but because I was so focused looking for this piece, I couldn't find that piece, you know? So while you're, while your head's in it, you're, you're not looking as introspectively as you actually think you are. And is that, is there, is that, inter, is there any sort of interaction that happens in London, Ontario where like you would be able to meet with someone from another branding or another style of food and like kind of uh, um, tug their ear a bit in terms of like styles that they might would try, want to try and like a, a collaboration if you will. Cause I oh, know yeah, Dan, sure. Dan has the tails from the grill and I mean, you guys are friends and like, it just seems like there's uh, a relationship that could happen there at some point. Oh, there's something big going to happen very soon. We are, we've been talking about it constantly. We're going to do the McGangbang. The what? <laughs> McGangbang. So it's when you take the uh, bacon double cheese or the McDouble and you take the uh, junior chicken and you basically put the junior chicken in between the McDouble. <laughs> so you got one patty on one side, you got your chicken in the middle, and then you got the other patty on the other side. It's just like one big stack. I don't know how I feel about that. That's a lot of oh, food. You're, you're going to love it. It's going to be a lot of food. Delicious and horrible. I don't know if I'd actually be able to eat that all one sitting. <laughs> don't worry. We're that gonna, idea scares we'll, the shit out of me, if I'm being honest with you. <laughs> I'm like the first time I ever held a Baconator, I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing with this thing. <laughs> but yeah, oh we, we're, we're always looking for people to collab with. I mean, we did, um, with Pizza Main, we actually did the uh, Kyle's fried chicken pizza. So I gave him some Nashville hot uh, sauce. I gave him some chicken, pickles, our white sauce. So he's done a pizza with us, with our other brand, Salt and Swine. We're producing some meat for some local places. So hopefully I'll, I can't really announce anything yet because they haven't used it because I don't want to spoil the mm. fun, but there's going to be some really awesome stuff coming soon. Now it's like, so like we, we work at Fort River Brewery. Um, how, like, does chi does your style of chicken go well with beer 
Um, is that something that you considered starting it? I mean, like, is that is that why you wanted to go to the brewery instead? Because like chicken and beer is like just a nice cohesion of like flavors and stuff. Or, well, I'm a huge craft beer guy too, so I mean, it helps me because they're always give, feeding me beer all the time. Um, I mean, since since COVID has started and everything, I've kind of been drinking away a lot less. I don't I don't know. I just uh, I'm so focused right now. But it's like they always send me home with beer. They always, you know, like say hey we're gonna we're, we're we're making this kind of beer right now and uh i want to give you a sample before it even comes out you know so it's kind of cool and then they've always been really supportive of what i've been doing and food and everything so it's just been such a natural cohesion of like beer and chicken and i mean who doesn't want beer and chicken <laughs> true now beer and chicken awesome right uh my one i had my, my first episode i had my friend uh, olivia who is a chef uh, or just graduated chef school in Stratford, right yeah. And asked her about marijuana and food. <laughs> Is that anything you've ever thought about doing? I mean, before food. <laughs> no, but like, an, a, like, a, like a, a an infusion of something. Because I know that they do have, they have cookbooks now where you can cook weed infused. Like, I don't know. I actually don't yeah. know what they cook in it. But like Snoop Dogg has a book <laughs> with yeah. Martha Stewart about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've always joked that at some point we're going to do the riff on... Uh, south park did the medicinally fried chicken Ooh. so i think i think at some point i would do it just for laps but i mean it would probably be a private closed event with like 10 people hey man uh let me just check the calendar when is 420 is that on saturday or friday <laughs> figure this out now all right and it's a wednesday all right wow hey that's a perfect night hump day is a perfect night for that sort of stuff <laughs> I guess I'll, I can bring in some comedians and we can do like a comedy show. There we go. <laughs> What's that smell coming from the brewery? Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's like Everyone's every time having a good time. It's like every time you're going into St. Thomas and you pass one of the uh, one of the grow ops there for all the bigger companies and you're like, whoa. <laughs> That'll so, be exactly how it smells in there. So that's a funny thing, right? Because like I, I smoked lots of weed when I was in college. Like, almost every night before I went to bed watching the, the late, late show with Craig Ferguson after getting home from a late <laughs> shift at Empty Bellies in Welland, Ontario. And it was always the, like the best, right? But like, it's, it's got me, like, I know that smell. And so when I worked yeah. on a cruise ships and we'd be right around, like, say we're in Oslo, Norway, or like uh, Dublin, Ireland, I'd, I'd just be walking out. So I'm like, <laughs> it'd, be ooh, like ooh. <laughs> it'd be like that scene from a, a Looney Tunes where like the guy's uh gets lifted off a scrap with the smell. <laughs> I'm like being carried Flying towards away. it sort of thing. <laughs> and it was like and like my wife she doesn't smoke at all right? and she's like where are you doing I'm like I smell marijuana <laughs> but it's like now that it's such like um a common thing like for like not just like you know stoners doing stoner things like it's great for uh healing um but there's so many medicinal benefits and everything and i have to imagine that like if there's a recipe that can go with like a chicken or like a bird like it, it that would probably enhance the the experience maybe a little bit i mean the only maybe negatives you'll eat about 10 of them you'll be completely screwed off your rocker but <laughs> i got the munchies and i'm eating things that cause the munchies <laughs> like so like i mean you you obviously smoke then i'm assuming yeah and so like does that help with your creativity because like, i i remember specifically uh when i went to go visit my cousin in college and we were like we just got so fucking baked 
and we're like, what do we want to do for dinner? And they're like, let's go to the grocery store. <laughs> and so we made this amazing chicken parmesan meal for us. <laughs> like it was, it was fantastic. Probably one of the best meals I've ever had in my life, to be honest. <laughs> but like just having that uh, that creative juices going, it was really uh, quite beneficial for what we wanted to do. Yeah, I definitely think uh, as long as you don't use it to the point of where it becomes a crutch, because I find like if you're using it all the time to get to that specific one thing, then that's like, I feel like it takes away from the creative experience sometimes. Yeah. But I feel like, yeah, definitely like I've had some of my best ideas or, you know, the other weird thing is as a guy, I feel like sometimes you get like the best ideas when you go to the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. It's just such a weird thing. You got a little private time, you're in there, you're thinking about things. And then next thing you know, you're like, I, I really have to do this. <laughs> or like, uh, like I find that my ideas come right before bedtime. <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, it's the worst. And then you're like, I can't really do anything about this idea, but I'll file it away for later. And then you either forget. Well, I mean, I think that's, that's the negative part about the before bedtime is that like, you're like, ah, I'm sure I'll remember it in the morning. <laughs> And yeah. it's gone, just completely yeah. gone. Or you remember three days later and you're like, fuck, I should have did that when I thought of it. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. It's one of those, um, one of those things, uh, those dreams where like you, you remember something in the future. Uh, what are those fucking things called? Oh, like a um, premonition kind of thing? Yeah, I hate those dreams. I hate yeah. them so bad. Because then when it happens real time, you're like, I don't know what to do with my hands right now. Like, do, I do, do I do what was in the dream or do I try and change my path? <laughs> what are you doing with your hands? Uh, uh, I didn't. <laughs> it went <really> fast. <laughs> the car went really well. Spiderhawk 3000. <laughs> One of the greatest okay. movies of all time, I think. <laughs> And I, I've been to NASCAR and I'm like, it, it's exactly how it is. So yeah, so I, I've, yeah. <laughs> I've gone, I've gone down the, the path of like seeing like even the lesser known Will Ferrell movies. And like, have you seen the goods? Uh, uh, with um, Jeremy, Piven? Jeremy Piven. Yeah. Uh, long time ago. Yeah. But I mean, his like cameo in that is amazing, but I think most people would be like, this is literally the dumbest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> like, basically he's in the movie for like five minutes and well two two scenes he's in the movie for probably a combined seven minutes in the entire thing but i mean it, for me it was one of the funniest moments of the movie especially seeing like him in the movie and being like well this is like now an a-list celebrity like yeah and just like it was stupid it was absolutely mind-numbingly stupid but i was laughing the entire time and i know most people would just be like oh this is dumb like yeah i think you have to you kind of like have to empty your uh mind in a certain way to be able to like get in the mode for those types of films because you have to you you have to really take your sense of uh, believability out of the equation yeah exactly but and i'm like a wrestling i'm a i'm a wrestling fan so i can do that very easily (laughs) (laughs) believability is not always the is not something that you'll want all the time yeah um but right now you're 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 in your business. You're believing in your business. You're doing the pop ups. You're going to be starting a full time at Fortner Brewery. Are you kind of just enjoying the ride and seeing how the evolution goes with the product, or do you have an end game for it? Not really. I mean, I I'm weirdly not one of these people who ever wants to franchise. I'm not one of these people who ever wants to like grow the business so it's huge. It's like 
I just, even with Salt and Swine, like my end game with that company is to have maybe 15 to 20 people that are working for me. And I just basically want to provide a good quality of life to people. And, you know, I want to put out the best product we can. I don't want to grow it. And, you know, a lot of these companies, they grow too fast and they just forget about the quality. And that's where it should be. It should be on the quality and, you know, focusing on giving your workers a decent life. Like you never want to just grow for the sake of growing. So you have extra money in your pocket. Like if you're comfortable, why don't you want everybody else to be comfortable too? That's very poignant of you to say. Very nice. So like you, we're talking about fried chicken, but like salt and twine, you mentioned a few times. I don't know anything about that. What is, is that your catering company or? Uh, so that's actually like our charcuterie side of the company. So we, yeah, we're making salamis. We make basically all of our packaged goods is that's going to be the salt and swine part of our company. So right now it is like sausages, fresh sausages, any kind of the butchery products that I do uh, that would fall under the salt and swine brand. And then basically so, the restaurant side would be, you know, Kyle's fried chicken. Interesting. So you're, you're, you, hmm. You get to play with a lot of different foods, don't you? Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Is there is there like a is there a food that you haven't gotten your hands on yet? Hmm, that's actually a good question. I'm sure there is, but I've tried a lot of stuff. Mm. <laughs> um, I want to do some like, so I've never actually fully been able to make a mortadella that i'm happy with or like okay. a bologna or even a bologna because have you ever had smoked bologna i lived in newfoundland for a bit so yes it changes <laughs> your life right like it's like <laughs> it's the best thing and i don't know just making those things making those humble kind of products like i haven't had as much experience doing that as i had like say making salamis or making prosciutto kind of stuff or fried chicken or anything like that so you know I, I kind of want to continue down that path and there's within salt and swine there's a lot of learning still left for me to do and not to say that there isn't on the kfc side but there's a lot of stuff that i kind of want to challenge myself with that i haven't been able to yet whereas with the kfc brand you know i i can still challenge myself with a lot of different things but at the same point i kind of know where i'm going with that already is there a, how, I don't know if this is totally left out, out of the field, but like, are there any sort of like food competitions in London or anything like that? I'm sure there's, uh, I think there was something with McCormick's before, but uh, there's not a lot really. It's, it's kind of weird because I moved here almost five years now. And even the food scene five years ago is so different than it is now. Like it was almost like a food desert. Like there was Milos, uh and a few other places but i mean you asked anybody back then what the best places to go were it was always the same thing black trumpet garlics milos mm. so it's just i feel like the food scene's changed so maybe there will be more things maybe there will be more competitions in the future and i know like there's so many different uh like the training center does culinary pre-culinary apprenticeship classes like there's so much more of a culinary scene than there was is is teach so like you mentioned uh, the salt and swine you kind of want to have like 20 employees and they give affordable living for like people like that and everything is teaching or passing on your knowledge from your food industry experience something that you'd be into oh for sure i mean so i've looked at when they started the full-time butchery program over at uh, the college i kind of looked at teaching there 
Um, it's just, I love to share my knowledge. I love to be hands-on with another person and give them the kind of experience that I had because I had great teachers and I want to like reinforce like all the good things that they've taught me. And I mean, they've probably taught me some things that aren't as great and I kind of <laughs> want to work on those too, but uh, it's just, I feel like knowledge sharing is such an important thing and it makes people feel important. It makes them, you know, feel like they get this experience that not everybody does because let's face it, not everybody wants to cut up a whole pig or not everybody wants to even learn about like the little secrets that go into every, you know, fried chicken sandwich. Like there's just so much technique and method that goes into so many different things. And I feel like a lot of people just get caught up and like, they want to get to the finished product as fast as possible. But they want to cut corners, really, right? Yeah. They, the people who are really detail oriented, they want to know every single step of the process. Those are the kind of people I love to teach because they ask questions. They're not afraid to like get their hands dirty. So, so let me ask you some questions then about uh, butchering. <clears throat> is there is there a bad piece of meat at all, or can all of the meat be used? Know, let's, say, used. let's let's use a cow as an example. Is there a bad yeah. piece of meat on a cow, or is there can it all be used? It can all be used. I mean, it's it's it comes down to how you want to use it and what cut you want to get, right? Like, I mean, I could walk into a grocery store with you, and I will pick you the best steak there. And it's simply based upon, I'll ask you a couple questions. I'll see what you like. Like, okay, let's do a quick two second here. How do you like your steak served? Uh, medium rare. Perfect. Uh, do you like to chew fat or no? Yes, a little bit. I would actually say a strip loin. You're probably a ribeye guy though. Uh, I like meat. So <laughs> <laughs> I can go either way with it. See, it's probably like everybody goes down this path where everybody likes medium rare, right? But yeah, basically I find, and I mean, it's also partially scientific is that if you have a strip loin, if you sear the outside, you sear the fat, it's the perfect steak. You can go like medium rare down to blue and it's still perfectly edible. Mm -hmm. Sirloin, same idea. If you get a good cut of sirloin, but sirloin is a little subjective because there's some pieces that are not as great and a lot of, uh, most butchery places leave in there's like a little oh uh but yeah there's a little piece of sinew throughout the middle and uh they don't take it out so it's like it's really subjective to knowing what you're looking for or knowing what you're going to do with the piece of meat so repeat that last bit because you kind of jumbled up there a bit oh sorry yeah so it's kind of it's more subjective about knowing what to do with that piece of meat or knowing about that piece of meat so i mean it's you know, if you're not very experienced with it, I would say, you know, like a strip loin is the perfect kind of thing to start with. And then ribeyes, I tend to find a ribeye and scientifically, again, medium for ribeye is almost perfect because you've rendered that fat. So a lot of people are like, but I hate medium. Like you're getting a little too far into the cooking, but yeah, if you, if you get a little past that medium rare on a ribeye, you get that perfect little chunk of fat right in the middle, perfectly rendered, and it's you're not just chewing on it for an hour. So, yeah, I know. I I feel what you're. I'm picking up what you're laying down because, like, I think. So, like last weekend, I cooked my very first brisket. Yeah. First time we're doing it, and so like I kind of looked up how to do it. It's like, oh, you need a rack and everything. I didn't have rack. I'm like, fuck. What am I gonna do? So I had some carrots. I cut up some carrots, put them in the pan, fucking. Yep use that carrots as the rack and put some dry rub on that baby. Oh, my God. It was so good. 
and that's the thing like brisket is such a beautiful piece of meat and it's so underrated and i mean until like a couple years ago literally you can get it for like less than 4.99 a pound Mm -hmm. now i mean you're paying like seven eight maybe even 10.99 i mean with inflation everything's gone up crazy but yeah there's so many pieces that people literally just would like throw out or grind before and that everybody's using now like think of uh you know like things like um short ribs or the beef ribs off the side of the actual prime rib Mm -hmm. i mean that that was like kind of i don't want to say throwaway stuff but you usually grind all the meat off of that like you'll cut it off and then throw it through the grinder or things like flat iron steaks and stuff like i mean the french are way ahead of their time they knew what they're doing the english uh, butchers knew what they're doing but we're just like oh we'll just chunk this up and throw it through the grinder it's great ground beef but now that people are like this is the second best steak on the cow why would i you know put that through there so case in point like you mentioned uh france so when we docked in La Harve, uh, which is an hour, hour and 20 minutes away from Paris, right? So we docked yeah. there. I went to this one like little ref- restaurant and they had like, um, it was a burger. It was, it was a burger on like um, a brioche bun with a little bit, bit of a Bernays sauce on it and like some um, mozzarella cheese or something like that. To this day, the best burger I ever. <laughs> I don't know if it was the quality of meats or the way they cooked it, but like it was so good. So every time that we docked there, I try and go back, but like it's also France. So like yeah. the, the restaurant's not always open. <laughs> so I've literally only been able to have this burger twice in my life. And to this day, it's just, and like the one time I was able to take my wife and she's like, oh my God, this is delicious. I'm like, I know, right? Like I try and tell everybody, but like I know. <laughs> I know exactly where it is from relation to the dock. So like, if I ever go back, I have to be like, all right, dock here. And we had to go to the dock first. And <laughs> exactly. And uh, it's, it's one of those things where like, you just, you don't expect it. Right. Right. Paris is more known for yeah. the breads and, uh, or uh, France more, more known for their breads. Or but like they had this phenomenal burger and uh, now I'm missing it right now. <laughs> And I think that's the thing. It's just like when you focus on the quality and putting all the right components together, the product just shines above anything else, right? You create these food memories that literally you can smell. You can like, you'll you'll get into this memory and you'll be like, wow, that I can remember the smell of it. I can remember the taste of it. I can remember like, you know, it might not be as vivid as the first time you had it, but it's like, it's still there ingrained in your memory and it just makes you want it even more. Well, in speaking of that, because uh, it is, we've been talking about about 40 minutes now, and we'll wrap this up shortly, but in talking about memories, and talking about food, things that you and I both like, obviously, uh, what are some of your favorite food memories that you've had, you've experienced? Hmm. Obviously, having ramen for the first time in, like, a good ramen place, like, it just, it's one of my comfort foods, like, I mean, we all grew up on like shitty ramen and like Mr. Noodle and, you know, all that kind of stuff, especially in college and like craft dinner and that kind of stuff, the pre-boxed, but like having proper ramen and like, it was such a great experience walking into the izakaya and like they shout at you and you're like, it's such an exciting environment. And you go and sit down you have this like piping hot bowl of soup. And for me, it was like in the middle of summer and just a giant mug of beer had this hot soup and I'm like this is like the best thing I've ever eaten I really love soups and I get outside of the restaurant and I'm like it's not even hot outside anymore because this hot bowl of soup was just like 
changed my core temperature and I just feel like I walked outside and it's like oh it's pretty cool now like but it's just those are like triggering things for me it, it literally like just makes me want to go eat a bowl of ramen when it's hot outside now like there's little little weird triggers but yeah even like burgers um there is I mean burger priest was a good option in Toronto but then there's holy chuck and you know it's a little subjective because the place goes up and down in quality a little bit and no diss to them but I mean they're doing a lot of interesting things like aging and grinding their own meat there so they could serve you a medium burger and it was yeah I would say it's like the best burger experience I've had in most of my travels so far and where is this place uh it's right uh it's St. Clair Young and St. Clair in Toronto okay I'm going to travel <laughs> this afternoon so I'll just uh, make a note of this what's it called uh it's Holy Chuck Holy Chuck. All right. All right. Noted. I think uh, my best burger experience, aside from the one in France, uh, was uh, when they had relish here back in the day. Oh, yeah. They did some phenomenal things with the burgers. It's just a shame that that all went to shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then it's like uh, the works here apparently is pretty good. I've still never tried it. But uh, unfortunately, they're airing out their political laundry at the beginning of all of the protesting and everything and I just kind of I I don't like to make a political statement because I I don't think it has anything to do with your business I think it has everything to do with your own personal choices and everything so it's like when you involve your business in something I feel like it just upsets a lot of people and creates a lot of weird kind of food food is food is supposed to be a place where you can escape (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's, it, you I, don't I need think to... it should be a should be a safe haven you know like, you, like a... you're going out and you want to eat something good and you don't want to talk to everybody about what your political views are like there's a say there's a space for that and it's not while you're enjoying something <laughs> yeah true and so my last question to you would be like uh we've kind of talked about your own favorite um food memories um what is your favorite memory from your own uh chef experience in terms of like delivering a product to a client so you have any like anyone tell them like comments to the chef or anything that stand out to you um mostly through catering actually because a lot of people they'll send you like a little sweet message afterwards and they'll just be like thank you for making my day so perfect or you know and uh i've gotten it a lot of times where it actually got you know a little choked up and you know people have sent me like oh like everything went so perfect and like usually as a in a catering situation you end up dealing with a lot of stuff that's not even food related you end up dealing with you know rental companies giving you the wrong things or it's it's a lot to deal with there's a lot of moving parts and uh when somebody says that everything went so smoothly that means they never saw any of the things that actually happened behind the scenes right because there's always hiccups there's always little things that happen but when they say everything went so smoothly and that means that none of the issues that affected us affected them. So it just, you know, when you've catered somebody's wedding and they're, they're like, that was amazing. That was the best meal uh, I've ever had. And, you know, there was, everything was so perfect. And meanwhile, it was giant clusterfuck the entire time. And you're like, Oh, <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's just like, at that point, you know, you're able to deal with all the problems that come up and give them the best experience and the best day that you can. Although one one thing I will say is the one wedding I did cater and the compliment that I got. So there's a, a famous hall in Sault Ste. Marie where everybody gets married, uh, the Marconi Hall, and pretty much everybody gets married there or another place. And it's always the same menu. You get your 
your soup, your chicken and potatoes, your salad and then pasta course. And it's always the same thing. And the, uh, it was actually a friend of mine who got married in Toronto and she asked me to cater the wedding and she wanted the traditional Italian stuff for the most part. And her mom came back to the kitchen and said that our chicken was better than the Marconi's chicken. And I took that like as a huge compliment. <laughs> that, I mean, take it where you can get it, right? That's awesome. Exactly. All right, so man. Thanks. I, yeah, no, go ahead. <laughs> I think that was just like the, the, you know, the tippy iceberg for me. So, <laughs> well, I mean, the, the business is still growing. Uh, you're doing the stuff at Fork River, you got pop-ups. Uh, if anyone wants to reach out for you for catering stuff, how do they get a hold of you? For sure. Just shoot me a message on Instagram. I'll probably ask you a few questions. I'll send you my email and then basically we go from there and we can come up with packages for almost any size. And the Instagram is Kyle's Fried Chicken or? Kyle's Fried Chicken, all one word. All right, perfect. Thank you, my friend. Enjoy the weekend. Uh, thank you for all the delicious food uh, from last night at the Fort River Show. Uh, and I'll see you in the, probably a few days. <laughs> for sure. And if you need more suggestions for Toronto, let me know. <laughs> uh, yeah, shoot me a message with some stuff because we're going to be looking for some stuff to do after the game. So, For sure. All right. All take right. care, buddy. Cheers, brother. Thank you so much. I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation with Kyle. Uh, I think it's important to get those people... Uh, like Kyle on the podcast because it shows that you know you, you can change your own path you can you can be going down one path and be like no I don't want to do that change your own path for the better and for the better enjoyment not only of uh, professionally but uh, for better enjoyment of your life as well so I think that's a very important lesson to be learned uh, through these conversations so it's never too late to kind of like veer off and do your own thing and be successful at that thing that being said next week we'll have a great another fantastic guest for you guys until then and uh, down the line until then, I'll see you down the line. Cheers.